So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in charge, over in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Amen. You can be seated, children. If you have not already been dismissed, you're welcome to be dismissed to the splash zone uh, as we've got our three classes back there. All right, well, let's pray together. Father, we thank you uh, for the blessing of being able to come here now uh, to your word, and we thank you for uh, this role uh, of church elders that we have prayed over. Got to thank you for Dan's words uh, about your word, and we pray that uh, even now as we open up your word, you would continue to make this abundantly clear to us uh, as we seek to follow your will uh, as we appoint Brad today. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. So we wanted to take this one Sunday out, breaking up our regular study through the the book of Mark this fall uh, for this important uh, day and this important occasion because leadership matters. Leadership matters a lot. Uh, It's very important to any organization But as you can imagine, leadership varies depending on the kind of organization you are leading. So take a a CEO of some business or or, or corporation or something that that a CEO may have any number of of motivations and and, and bottom lines, but one of those is making a profit, right? If a CEO of a company is leading and accomplishing things, but they're losing money all the time, eventually that company won't work anymore. They have to make money. But that's a little bit different than maybe an elected official, right? An elected official may have some responsibilities financially, but if a a politician leads in their form of government and they uh, lead where their group is making a lot of money, but they make all the people who voted for them really mad and upset them, you know, they're going to lose, they're they're not going to be reelected, right? So just making money isn't the top priority. There's something there about pleasing people and about representing the people that voted for them. That's a different form of leadership than, say, a coach. Take a coach, for example. Depending on the level, money may not be involved at all for a coach. He may not have anything to do with money. And he's also not like a politician where he's just trying to make everybody happy, right? Because then everybody would play quarterback. You'd have like this, you know, everybody gets their one shot just to be happy to play quarterback. No, a coach has a different bottom line, doesn't he? He or she has to take their team and help them grow and develop and get better. Yes, it's, it's about winning, but it's also about improving. If a coach is helping his team and his players get better season after season, then that's going to be a mark of success. And again, that's a different form of leadership than some kind of a board of directors. I don't know if you've ever served as some kind of board director. I served with a, a nonprofit in the Woodruff area for a little while. and Basically, a board of director, our job was to show up once a month to this meeting and we got all the data, we got the spreadsheets and we got the facts and the information and here's this and that and the other and 
We just had to look at the data and use our best wisdom to make decisions about the direction of this, this, this entity. I, I didn't have to be there every week. I didn't have any investment in it. I, I, the, the money wasn't the primary thing. It was just, can we make wise decisions? That's how different forms of things are led, right? They all have different structures to them. In every case, leadership looks different depending on the position. So today we're asking, what is leadership in the church supposed to look like? What does it look like to be a leader in the church? Dan just mentioned we're appointing Brad Garrison as the newest elder at the end of our service, and we are excited uh, for this step for him. So in many ways, this sermon, you guys are off the hook. I'm just talking to Brad. So, you know, no, uh, I'm talking to Brad, of course. I'm talking to the other elders uh, in the room. There's a very specific charge there. But I'm also talking to our entire church family in this. Because just as important as us understanding our role, it's equally important for you to understand our role. Because your understanding is your level of expectation. What do you expect from leaders of this church? What do you think our role as leaders, pastors, or elders should be? You may not have even directly asked yourself that question before, but I would imagine you at least have some underlying assumptions about what I'm supposed to do and what other leaders are supposed to do. And so for us to be a healthy church, all of us need a biblical view of what leaders in the church are supposed to be like. It would be impossible for me to overstate how important leadership is in the local church. Because if leadership gets off track, everything else goes that way as well. My prayer today is that uh, through our study of God's Word, you, you would have uh, a solid biblical foundation about the expectations for, for leaders in the church. But also, maybe even more importantly, today I want you to say, I'm in. When, when you hear this, the, the biblical, this biblical view of leadership, and in our heart to try to follow God's Word on this, that you would say, that, that's the kind of leadership I, I want to follow. That's the kind of leadership I want to follow. The Bible calls leaders of a church elders. And uh, I hope you know that I'm not, I'm not old. So it's not just about, you know, age. Okay, so what does this word elders mean? Uh, my question should, is, is our expectation of elders, should it be like CEOs, politicians, coaches, board members, you know? Are, are elders, are we just about as long as the church is in the black? You know, is that, is that the, the, the bottom line for elders? Is that our, our primary goal? Like politicians, are we just trying to keep the majority of people, as long as we got 51% happy, you know? Is that, is that the bottom line? Is that our, is that our goal? Uh, are we like coaches that we just try to motivate everybody to do their best? Are we like board members that we just get together and we look at the data and just make wise decisions? Well, I'm sure there's bits and pieces of those things that could be applied to elders but that's not the foundation, is it? I hope you can, you can sense that even as I describe other forms of leadership. You say that the church shouldn't be led that way, but how should it be led? The Bible uses a much better and much more beautiful metaphor and description of the role of a pastor or elder. And that is that we're called to be shepherds. We're called to be shepherds. So that's my first observation for you this morning. God calls elders to shepherd the flock. 1 Peter 5, 1 starts with, So I exhort you. This is Peter, the, the apostle. And he says, So I exhort you, elders, exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. And then verse 2, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. So one of the original disciples, disciples 
this leader in the church is now writing to a bunch of other churches and he's saying, the elders that are in these churches, here's my command to you, shepherd the flock. If there's one image, one metaphor, one key description of the role of a leader of a church, it's that we're called to be shepherds. Now, maybe shepherd wasn't the, the primary way you would think of, of pastors or elders. Uh, maybe that's because you, you've got some experience in, in churches and you've been around different things, or maybe you're just looking at leadership in some other form that your, your, your business or some other corporation. Uh, there are plenty of misconceptions about what this means and who an elder is supposed to be. But, but here at Infinity, we have made a decision to stick really close to the Bible. That's our goal. We, we want to make sure we're reading the Bible and doing everything in our power to stay as close to it as possible. So I'm grateful that although I had nothing to do with it, Infinity Church was planted as an elder-led church from the beginning. And then when I came in, I said, guys, this is so important. This has to be a priority. Let's, let's, I know you guys have been doing this for, at that point, nine years, but let's revisit this and let's dive into this together. Biblically, what does it mean for us to be elders? And so that's what Dan referenced about over the last year. We've been walking through that together. And so uh, I want to take you through, through just a brief synopsis of that to understand the role of a, shelter, a shepherd or an elder. So if you dive into the New Testament, uh, you'll see different words used in different places. So sometimes, like 1 Timothy 3 and Philippians 1.1, 1, 1, this uh, office is referred to as an overseer. The King James uses the word bishop there. Uh, I looked at the New Living Translation. They use uh, church leader, but most of the others use this word overseer. And then in Titus 1.5 and here in uh, 1 Peter 5, they refer to this as an elder. And this, these, these words are used interchangeably as you go throughout. So they're, they're meant to be the same thing. And then metaphorically, they're described as a shepherd. So elder, overseer, shepherd. Uh, and so you may be thinking, well, why do they call you pastor if those are the primary words used? I'm glad you asked, which gives me permission to say the nerdiest thing I, I've probably said up here yet. I love this. Ready? She the word pastor comes from the Latin word for shepherd. Isn't it a good day when I can, we can quote the Latin, you know? The English word pastor comes from the Latin word for shepherd, which is pastor. So in Latin, just like in Spanish, the word pastor could refer to a leader of a church or somebody who's out with the sheep. Same word, pastor. See, next time you are meeting somebody new and uh, you need an icebreaker to like really start some engaging conversation, you could just walk up and say, hey, did you know that the word for pastor comes from the Latin word for shepherd? I, you just, I mean, I know you're going to have an engaging conversation after that. Okay? All right, thanks for letting me get that in. I wanted to get that in. So, elder, shepherd, pastor, uh, all those, overseer, all these are the same word. So, when you see those show up in the New Testament, this is the, the office, this is the position in the church that's being talked about. So, to be able to understand this role, we just dive into what does it mean to be a shepherd? What does the Bible say about a shepherd. Well, number one, for, for one, the, the elder is supposed to lead the flock like shepherds lead the sheep. First Peter 5, 2, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. So oversight, oversight, leadership, leading the flock. Uh, a shepherd would w never want to let sheep just roam about wherever they wanted to go, right? That would be dangerous. It would be perilous for them just to wander off. And so a shepherd's job is to lead in a good direction. Oversight is about accepting responsibility and taking ownership 
for those under your care. In addition to that, a shepherd feeds the flock. So not just leading, but feeding the flock. Uh, the qualifications for elders that show up in 1 Timothy 3 uh, say an elder must be able to teach. And again in, first, uh, in Titus 1.9, he must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may get, be able to give instruction in sound doctrine. So the job of a, a shepherd and uh, an elder here is to hold firm to the word of God, to hold it tight, to stay close to the word of God and to share it, to teach it to those in our care. And it's only because we're holding firm to the Word of God that we have anything to feed you with. We don't feed you anything that comes out of just our own thinking or our own mind. We're called to teach you this, sound doctrine out of the Word of God. We've got to feed the sheep. In Acts chapter 6, there's a group of widows who are not being cared for. This is early in the church, right after Christ has ascended and the disciples are sent out on the day of Pentecost. So the church is growing rapidly, and in that growing, some people are falling through the cracks. A group of widows are not being cared for, and so it comes to the attention of the apostles. But they realize that if they tried to take that on themselves, they would have to give up something. And so when they realize that they can't do both, they delegate caring for widows. And now, of course, that's a crucial ministry. But the disciples said, if we do that, we won't be able to do this. And so they call, uh, they raise up these other uh, people that are kind of the beginning of the, a deacon ministry. But this is what they said about themselves. Acts 6, 4, it says, But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Praying and teaching the Word of God was too important to stop. They could not stop doing that. And so they equipped others. Our elders are called to feed the flock the Word of God. I am so grateful that that is the, uh, just that was already here when I got here, that elders uh, are feeding the flock. Aaron's just singing the Word of God to you and inviting you to, to sing the Word of God. Dan just finished teaching at 9.30 at a, to, a, to a Sunday school class. I had to contact Travis and Brad to change up their rotation because they're supposed to be teaching children right now, but I made them switch so they could be in here for the service today. We have elders who are teaching the Word of God. And I love that they make such a priority out of that. Uh, elders lead, they feed, and they protect the flock. You know, when Jesus speaks of bad shepherds, ones who are not doing their job, uh, He says in John 10, 12, He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The shepherd's responsibility is to fight off the wolf. If there are dangers, if there are spiritual attacks, it's the elder's job to put ourselves between the flock and the enemy. So that may mean calling out false doctrine, whether it's somebody just being misled and, and teaching something that's false within the church or false teaching from outside the church, influencing the church. The elder's job is to protect the flock and care for the flock. Uh, shepherds are called to track down the strays. Think of the parable that Jesus tells in Luke 15 about uh, the man. It says, Luke 15, 4, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? We're called to track down the strays from the church. So our text messages to you, our phone calls to you, our emails, our letters that we send in the mail, if we haven't seen you for a little while, we're, we're, not, we're not trying to, to bug you. 
we, we're not trying to track down your money or attendance, like to make our attendance better. What we care about is that sheep were never meant to be lone wolves. We were called to be sheep together. We need one another. We are concerned for your spiritual well-being. And so we want you to be a part of the flock so that we can meet each other's needs and care for one another. There's a, a fifth way, I guess, if I'm keeping track here, that elders are like shepherds. And I'll use this kind of as an umbrella uh, description for a handful of other things. But this is one of the best descriptions of pastoral ministry I've ever heard. Shepherds are supposed to smell like sheep. Shepherds are supposed to smell like sheep. Elders like sheep, uh, elders like shepherds are supposed to be involved in the lives of their flock. We're supposed to be living life together, going through the ups and downs together. So that means when you stink, we stink. When you're fresh, we're fresh. Shepherds are in, and sheep are in this together. Pastoring, being an elder is about people. It's about people. It's always about the people. It's about the flock. A shepherd without the flock isn't really a shepherd. He's just out hiking or camping or something, you know. If there's no flock, he's not a shepherd. It's always about the people. Do you know what the hardest part about ministry is? Dan will tell you this. People. People are the hardest part about ministry. You know what the best part about ministry is? It's the people. It's the people. I have, I think, and you can argue with me if you want, but I've got the best job in the whole world because I get to walk with you through some incredible things. And even the hard times. People ask me sometimes, like, do you, do you just hate making hospital visits? I, I hate that people have to go to the hospital. But honestly, if you're, if you're going to be there, I, I, I want to be there with you. I, I don't dread hospital visits. I, I enjoy connecting with you and walking with you through whatever it is you're going through. Because seeing God work through good times and bad times, there is no greater joy than that. There's no greater pleasure than seeing God bring new life to somebody who's struggling, to see a, a, a sheep that has gone astray come back into the fold, to see marriages rebuild and be restored, to see big celebrations like weddings and baptisms. We did a wedding right here earlier this year. We, we, we enjoy the celebrations, the big ones and the small ones. And walking through all the ups and downs of life, ministry is about people. And I love smelling like a sheep. I love smelling like a sheep. Shepherd is, shepherding is about loving the flock. And there's nothing sweeter than walking with people on their journey with the Lord. Shepherds are called not to be the only ones in ministry, but to actually equip the sheep to kind of be like many shepherds themselves. Ephesians 4 tells us in verse 12 that our role is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. As we get in there smelling like sheep, we're, we're supposed to help you see the ways that you can minister and you can grow and you can use your skills and gifts from the Lord. One more critical role uh, of a shepherd is to pray for the flock. And Dan mentioned that. We, we really try to be intentional uh, about that calling. Remember Acts 6, 4, I've already read the two primary roles of an elder. He said, they said, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Those are the top two roles that we have. And the reason for that is what 1 Peter 5, 2, we already read. It says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. You are not primarily my flock or the elder's flock. You are God's flock. We've just been placed here to help and to minister to you. This is God's flock. And so we pray to God because He is the one in charge. 
Uh, I mentioned earlier the, the, all these different titles, you know, about the role of an elder, overseer, pastor, shepherd. Uh, there's, over, the, over the years, in English at least, that's the only one I know, uh, lots of different words have been used for this role in a church. Uh, perhaps you know some of these, elder, overseer, bishop, presbyter, preacher, reverend, clergyman, minister, parson, priest, doctor. Do you know the only one of those, or one of these that Jesus used of himself? Shepherd. He called himself the good shepherd. First Peter 5 calls him the chief shepherd. Jesus in John 10 said, I am the good shepherd. You see, we as elders are really under shepherds. Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the good shepherd. He's the one in charge. And our job is to be sheep ourselves that follow Him and point you back to Him. Our shepherding as elders should imitate His shepherding. Jesus talks about Himself uh, and says, The sheep hear His voice and He calls His own sheep by name and leads them out. Our role as elders is to know you personally, individually, beyond just your name, but starting with your name, knowing your story, and walking with you through life. Jesus says the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He did it to save you. Our responsibility is to lay down our life to serve you. All Christians are called to take up their cross and follow Jesus. We're supposed to lead the way by example in doing just that. The gospel is what Christ has done for you, the good shepherd, in laying down his life. We as under-shepherds are called to proclaim that good news and lay down our lives so that you would see the one who laid down his life for your salvation. There is so much more that could be said here, but suffice it to say for now, God calls elders to shepherd the sheep, shepherd the flock. And as he does that, there is a, a really important qualification that maybe doesn't stand out to you at first, but as somebody who's been in ministry, I have to stop and highlight this because it's so critical. Remember 1 Peter 5.1, he said, So I exhort the elders, plural, among you. This is important for why we do ministry the way we do it and why we're adding somebody today. God does not call elders to shepherd alone. God does not call elders to shepherd alone. If you track through the New Testament, this word for elders or overseers, it's almost always used in the plural, not just one. There are examples like with Peter and uh, John in his letters writing, whereas the author, just one person is writing, he'll, he'll say, you know, I as an elder, so that's used singular there. But anytime it's used to reference the group that's leading in a church, it's in the plural. So Dan already referenced Titus 1 and Acts 14. As new churches were started, they appointed elders, plural, not just one multiple elders. Philippians, the book of Philippians starts this way, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers, plural, and the deacons. Paul gives this incredibly emotional speech in Acts 20 to a group of people that he's called to come meet him there. It says, now from Miletus, this is verse 17, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders, plural, of the church. One more, James 5, 14. Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. You get the idea. The picture is clear. There's not just one elder of a church. It is a group, a plural team that's working together. This is probably the single biggest misconception I know of uh, about the role of pastors and elders. The model of many of our, our sister Southern Baptist churches is to have 
one pastor and then a team of deacons. And so you may come to Infinity and hear us talking. You're like, they just changed the word. There's the one guy that usually preaches and he's got a team. They just changed their name from deacon to elder. Okay, I get it. No, that's not. If there's one reason, if I just could give you one thing that I want to tell you about Infinity, it's not that way. It's not me and then them. We are the shepherds. We are the elders together of Infinity Church. Uh, this is one of the main, main distinctions that I think that our, our culture misses. Uh, is, and it's one of the things that's so different about the Bible's form of leadership compared to so many other things. Everything else, it seems, there's always the guy. We are called to be co-shepherds and laborers together. I am not any more or less of a shepherd than Brad will be in just a few minutes. He will be the newest, but we are co-shepherds. Travis, Dan, Aaron have been shepherds here a lot longer than I have, but they are no more or less a shepherd than I am. I, I can't convey to you just how critical that is in leadership. If, if we are following the biblical model, then this frees us up so much because the burdens of ministry are ne were never meant to be taken on by one person. We were never meant to hold this all on one person's shoulders. And... The sharing of the celebration is so much more sweet, so much sweeter when we do this together. So I'm thankful for a team of elders that, keeps, that we keep each other accountable and keep each other humble because we're not doing this as just a one-man show. I'm thankful to be doing this together. We're all equally shepherds. And so I want to emphasize with the, what the Bible does that we do this equally. Now, at the same time, we, there is a biblical precedent for some of us to be on staff, for this to be our job, and others to serve as lay elders or volunteer elders who get their paycheck to provide for their families a different way. 1 Timothy 5.17 says, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and teaching. And verse 18 goes on to say, The laborer deserves his wages. So the idea is that sometimes some elders can be paid for their work. But they don't have to be, and not every elder is required to be paid for their work. So at Infinity, our model is that I have been set aside that this is my full-time job. I give my full attention to this job while the others have other jobs and then give their, t their attention in their uh, regular time, just like the rest of you have, to ministry, but in this unique way. So biblically, we have the freedom as a local church to follow the Lord in figuring out the ratio between staff, elders, and lay elders. But we're all elders, and we serve together as a team. And so that leads me to this crucial final point that maybe this is the most important. If I just always say the next point is the most important, is that okay? All right, this may be the most important. God calls elders to model spiritual maturity. First uh, Peter 5.3 says elders are to be examples to the flock. And the two longest passages in the New Testament about this role are 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. I mentioned earlier they both reference one, one, one sentence, one verse, if you will, in both of those places give something we're supposed to do, teach. That's one thing. But of the 12 verses, the other 10 verses have nothing to do with what we do. It's about character. It's about who we are. For elders, both competence and character matter, but especially character. For 
elders, uh, elders are called to be both gifted and godly, but especially godly. Give me somebody who is highly competent, but known for falling into sin regularly in a habit. I, they, they cannot serve as an elder. You can be the most gifted communicator, but if your life is not walking in line with the Lord, then you're disqualified from serving as an elder. Elders are called to live in such a way that is above reproach. Now, let's be clear. That's not perfection because if, it was, if that was the, the line, there would be no elders, right? It's not, not about perfection. Instead, above reproach means an elder is known for seeking a lifestyle that's striving after Jesus. He's known for not, not trying to go toe the boundaries between good and bad and, and always up on the edge of like, oh, was that a gray area? You know, I don't know. An elder will absolutely slip up sometimes. But my prayer is that for elders is that we slip up chasing after Jesus so hard. Like that be the time where we, where we trip. And that when we do stumble, we're the first ones to confess it, the first ones to say, I am wrong and I need the gospel, and to do everything in our power to be accountable, to not build a habit into sin. I, I encourage you to spend time in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1 and see the kind of character that elders are called to have, because it's about being spiritually mature. It's about being spiritually mature. Now, you will notice these are men, uh, not women, uh, as Christ is the head of the church, and so husband is the head of the household. Male elders are called to be the leaders in the church, just like men are called to lead in the home. Women are absolutely equal in worth and value to men. We're just given different roles within the church. And so uh, that's a really critical part uh, uh, of eldership. One of the main qualifications for elders is that an elder's leadership is tested first at home. I went back and uh, listened to this week. My father-in-law preached my ordination uh, service. Uh, I guess that had been 2015, so five years ago. And uh, this is what he said to me in that message. He said, your example as uh, who you are as a husband and a dad speak more than any sermon you'll ever preach. And that hits home every time I hear it. We are called to be about character, not just competence. You can go through these passages and see the, the, the way an elder's called uh, to live. And then my, my, my request is then you would pray for us to live this way, that we would live holy lives because it matters for the people that are following us. That's what Peter had. In 1 Peter 5.1, he describes himself as an elder, uh, as a witness of the sufferings of Christ. The reason why Peter could lead is because he'd been following Jesus. Now, he got to do it in person, in flesh. The only way that we can, as Christians, as, as elders, lead is if we are following. So, uh, the same message from my father-in-law at my ordination, he told me as a pastor to always remember, I must follow before I lead. I've got to follow before I lead. As elders, that's our job. We're called to follow the good shepherd if we want to be a shepherd. As elders, we're called to love Jesus and to follow him first. Uh, my father-in-law said, the, the reach of your ministry will be directly related to the depth of your walk with Christ. The closer we are with Jesus, the deeper we are in relationship with him, the more we have to share with those around us. As an elder... We're called to be examples to the flock. And it's not that we in ourselves are worth following. We are absolutely not. But we know the one who is. We know the one who is worth following. And we want our lives to point that way all the time. So my challenge for you as the congregation today is, 
Who are you following? Who are you following? You may only spend uh, an hour or so a week here, but your life might be consumed with news media and giving you information and 12 panelists telling you what to do with it and social media passing around all kinds of conspiracy theories and YouTube videos about this person interpreting whatever world events the way that... Who are you listening to? Who, who are you following? My, my prayer is that we would be a church family who together with co-elders and leaders, that together we'd be following Jesus. We'd let the Word of God direct our path more than anything else. It is so easy to, us to, to in our world, be, be discipled by the world. But we want to be people who are following hard after Jesus. And so I'm asking you, who are you following? Today, we have the privilege of appointing a new elder here at Infinity. Not because he's perfect, but he's pretty good. Uh, we have an elder that we're nominating and appointing, uh, not because he's a Bible scholar, but he knows the Bible pretty good, and he a, does a good job teaching it. We're appointing Brad Garrison as an elder at Infinity Church, first and foremost, because we know who he's following. We know who he's following. And it's our heart that you would be like Brad and follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. So we can confidently today appoint Brad and say, follow him as he follows the Lord. So we're going to close our service a little bit differently. I'm going to invite Brad uh, up here for just a moment. The rest of you guys I'll invite in just a second. Uh, we got Brad. We told him this was coming so he could invite his family to be a part of this. So I'm really glad to have Brad's family here. Um, Brad, I, I uh, got to know Brad uh, last year uh, when uh, I reached out to him about coming to Waffle House at 5.30 in the morning. And uh, he said, okay, I'll be there. I was like, really? All right. Uh, and we started studying the Bible together. And uh, that's not an easy time for everybody. And it's okay if it's not a good time for you. But Brad and I started studying the Bible together there at Waffle House. And, uh, and I told the other elders this. I have yet to get to Waffle House before him uh, on one of those mornings, and I have yet to be more prepared in my Bible study. Brad shows up every time having studied the Word of God. He deeply knows the Word of God, and his heart is for the Lord. Uh, he loves, I just told you that an elder is tested at home, and Brad loves his wife. He loves his kids, and he loves Hank like something crazy. And uh, he loves his parents, and he asks for prayer for his parents. And he, he's, a, he's a man that loves his family well. Uh, he's incredibly thoughtful and hospitable. Uh, I have tried to steal many desserts that he has made for other people because he's always loving people well and taking meals and doing a great job. Everybody's got different gifts. Everybody loves people different ways. But it's awesome to watch Brad shepherd the flock. Uh, what was great about appointing Brad an elder is that essentially we're just putting a, a, a church office and a title on what he's already been doing. He has already been making disciples and loving and shepherding uh, you. And so uh, one, of the, one of the great things that's, that we've watched happen is, you know, I started this thing at 5.30 with him, and uh, just earlier this year, he's like, you know what, I'm going to reach out to some other guys. So Brad now does that not just one morning a week, but two mornings, where he takes what we studied before and goes and has a group that he meets with on Monday mornings at 5.30 to, to share the Word of God. And so, uh, man, it's just an awesome, awesome, awesome privilege uh, to recognize you and to appoint you as an elder. And so I've invited Travis uh, to come and to lead us in, worship, in, in prayer 
uh, over Brad. And I'm going to invite Dan and Aaron to come with me. And we're going to lay our hands uh, on Brad. Not because there's anything magical in that. You'll read through the, 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 uh, the book of Acts and James where it ta- and, and, and Timothy where it talks about laying hands as a way of just blessing Brad and saying we're behind this with him. So uh, if, if this was not a pandemic, I'd put Brad right there and I'd ask you all to come breathe on him. I mean, put your hands on him. And, uh, and so we're going to limit it uh, just to this. And, uh, and so we invite you from where you are to pray with Travis as we pray uh, over Brad. Okay, just want to pray, uh, well, of course, pray for Brad, but want to say uh, briefly three things. Um, When I think of a shepherd, a shepherd always has a staff. And what's that staff used for? To lean on for strength. It's got a hook on it for safety to pull you back, and it's used for a a defensive tool. So as we go forward, Brad, we're going to pray for those things. We're going to pray for your strength and your safety and your defense because uh, the attacks are coming. It's coming, and and we need to... empower you and, and looking towards God for all those things. Okay, Brad? So let's, let's pray for Brad. God, it's an honor that we can be here um, just in your presence as we, uh, you have brought forward Brad Garrison. God, we pray for his strength and his wisdom as we go forward. We pray for his, uh, we pray for his marriage, God, that uh, he would lead well there. And as he takes on this role, God, that uh, you would empower him to boldly proclaim your name and seek your face. God, we thank you for what you've already done with Brad, bringing bringing him forward uh, here to this role and guiding him and directing him. And, God, we just pray that Brad just keeps doing what he's doing. Give him the strength and wisdom to do that. And we look forward to our, our ministry together here uh, in this new role. And, God, just, just thank you um, for his life and his testimony and pray that it em- empowers him. You would empower him. And, God, we just pray for his defense. It, we just, you tell us to consider all joy, the, the attacks that are coming, and that we'll face tribulation in this world, God. But you have overcome the world, so we can too. Thank you for that, God. And uh, we ask that in, in Brad's life, that, um, that it's coming, and we just pray for safety and strength there. Um, God, just, just thank you for Brad. And uh, as we go forward, um, that we would show love to him and his love, uh, your love to him, and uh, that he would show your love to others. And we just ask these things in your name. Amen.